Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. First round of the playoffs have come and gone, and there is a lot to talk about, which we will get into in just a few moments. But first, a new format on today's show. Very excited about this because it is about time we bring in the wheel. What is the wheel, you may ask? Today, it's the wheel of possibilities. We have multiple scenarios on this big, beautiful off-screen wheel, and when we spin it, We'll decide how possible that scenario is for next season. It should be a lot of fun. I cannot wait to do this all right here on the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, sponsored by Link Me. I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network, alongside the exceptional Cole Topham of Chargers Wire. And let's just say... <laughs> I see my title has changed. Yeah, I got to keep it up with the time. Seeing you doing a lot of updated NFL draft content over on Chargers Wire. How's that been going for you? It's pretty good. Uh, I'm trying to get pretty pretty consistent with the reports each and every week, but I think it's going to really test me to delve into sort of the later rounds of the draft that aren't as noticeable to the viewer because I feel like I get to know the first round pretty well and then a handful of guys in, in day two, but it's really going to test me to get to know that some of those day three finds, those little hidden diamonds and, and gems in the later rounds that – honestly are, are really the success stories that the NFL is all about. So that's what I'm excited to do this season. Going to be in the senior bowl next week, Mobile, nice. Alabama. So that's going to be super fun. Uh, a lot of potential dynasty prospects there, uh, including our own Rashad white here at Arizona state. So I it's, it's exciting times over here in uh, the Cole Topham camp. That's awesome. Make sure to say hi to a bunch of my draft network colleagues like Jamie Eisner. I believe he should be there too. So, and we've had him on it as a guest. Uh, we'll break out football podcast alumni right there. Yep, exactly. I think he was the first or second guest we ever had too. Just kind of shows how far we've come along as a show, you know? Yeah, it's been a journey. You got to look back and, and remember the, the good memories. Mm-hmm. But there is still a lot to talk about. And we will, we figured out, we can talk about everything that kind of went down in the wild card weekend. But why not bring out the wheel? Maybe you should have called it like the wheel of wild card. But like there's also some stuff on here that is not related to uh, playoff teams or teams still in the playoffs for that matter. So here's how it's going to work. We have a nice wheel with a nice wheel sound effect that will play. So you guys can follow along as we spin it. Don't know what topics we're going to land on, but we got a few topics already prepared so why don't we kick things off with the first spin and see what topic we get and we'll say whether that's possible it's not possible falls somewhere in between sounds good yep sounds good all right here's the wheel let's run it okay okay topic number one how possible is it that Derek Carr is a top 10 quarterback next season man I think it's it's really gonna depend on I mean I don't personally I don't know why the Raiders would get rid of Carr Mm -hmm. after the season that he just had after the leadership he displayed despite everything that the team went to I don't think uh, like another quarterback there's uh, probably count him on one finger 
or one one hand, right? And Carr would be one of those fingers of quarterbacks that could handle that situation and and still like keep his sanity and keep his team afloat. I mean, I don't I don't know how the Raiders made made the playoffs after all the controversy that went down. So I don't know why the Raiders would get rid of him. But if he goes to another team, then I think that kind of changes what his ranking would be. If if he went to Denver, I'd say it, it's definitely his prospects of becoming a top 10 option at the position next season would be a lot better. If he went to the saints, I think his, his top 10 prospects would, would be incrementally improved than if he was on the Raiders. So I, I'm not sure. Do you think he leaves Zach? No, I don't, but obviously a lot of it depends on who they hire as new GM, who they hire mm-hmm. as the new head coach. They can move on from him if they want. Like the Raiders were the ones to say, look, we don't want you here. You're eating up $19.8 million in the last year of your deal. Carr hasn't talked about an extension. He's 31 entering next season. So there is a lot of possibilities for the Raiders to just be like, yeah, like we don't really want you, but kind of goes back to the point you were saying, who's better? realistically you think you have a shot at Rodgers or Russell Wilson of course you go for that but other than that like trying to throw a rookie in there I'm not sure it really works out so I do think it comes down to Carr staying obviously things will and can change um but for him to be a top 10 quarterback next season I don't really know how possible that is he was a quarterback 14 this year which is nice on the surface but in terms of points per game he was only quarterback 21 so he's not really producing enough consistently he's always been a volume guy there's really two types of fantasy quarterbacks, the guys who make their living on the ground and the guys who make their living by throwing the ball a lot. Derek Carr is the latter. But that also doesn't really tend to be a top 10 quarterback anymore. Like every now and then you'll get like a Drew Brees or Matt Stafford or a Tom Brady in there, you know. But I can't really see Carr having that type of ascension. So I don't think it's really that possible if he's, he becomes a top 10 quarterback. I also am curious – I wonder what you would think about this. Is there even enough left in the tank for him to really ascend to a better position and just become a better version of himself? Honestly, I think there is. I think we saw a different side of Carr this season. And, I mean, he was pretty much, like, consistent in that tier below elite for a long time with the Raiders. I just think the Raiders let him down for so long and not surrounding him with options. Um, really not building up his defense enough to keep him in winnable games where he he could like confidently lead a, a passing attack. I, I so I think he would benefit from a change of scenery this offseason. Like I said, I think Denver would be an awesome fit for him. I think the Saints could really use him, and especially if if they got Carr in the offseason and then drafted one of the top pass catchers in, in this draft, mm. somebody like Jamison Williams, you pair him with Michael Thomas. I think that's one of the, probably the most explosive offense Carr would be in. Other mm. teams like, you know, the Washington football team, I could see them bringing in Carr as kind of like a changing of the guard, you know, new identity. They're going to get their new team name, um, pair him with McLaurin. I could see the Colts as well. Um, Cause I don't think they're going to keep Wentz. I think, um, Jim Irsay's message to the fans was pretty <laughs> clear that, you know, Wentz went to Jacksonville and, and couldn't beat them. So I think that's a pretty telling sign that the Colts will be making a change at the quarterback position. So I'm, I'm not sure 
how well he would fit in with those other two teams. But if he goes to the Broncos, if he goes to the Saints, I really like those landing positions for Carr. And I would really love his fantasy prospects Mm -hmm. in those locations. It's also like, would the Raiders let him go? Or would they try to trade him as they should? Because they're definitely not trading him to Denver. And New Orleans has their own cap issues to worry about. Oh, yeah, that's right. 62 million. (laughs) Yeah, Pittsburgh as well. A lot of the teams that have cap space to spend on a big time quarterback if that's what you think Derek Carr can truly be they don't really need a quarterback I mean maybe Miami but I don't think that's the type of gamble you'd want to take especially with Tua still in the wraps so I don't think it's too possible he'll be a top 10 quarterback next season where what's your final stance before we get to the next topic yeah I think it's probably most likely that he stays in Las Vegas for you know at least next season it's really going to depend on what type of weapons um, the Raiders can bring in. If they make a splashy free agency acquisition, if they go out and, and invest in their offense in the draft. But I mean, I think this current Raiders team kind of limped into the playoffs. Um, They were kind of like a surprise shoe in and they were, it was pretty clear against the Bengals that, you know, this just wasn't the same type of caliber team to compete with the rest of the AFC and so I think it's, it's more than likely we see another season from Carr fantasy-wise that's more in that quarterback 15 mm-hmm. and 20 range. Yeah, I would agree. All right, so we're not too high on Derek Carr being a top 10 quarterback. Let's spin the wheel again. Bring it up. Here we go. Ooh, okay, here we go. <laughs> Topic number two, how possible is it that Cam Akers – is a second round fantasy quarter running back. Why did I say quarterback? I, I was hey, thinking I mean, about the way the Rams Carr. use their weapons, you got Odell Beckham throwing <laughs> sideline dimes. I mean, I could see Cam Akers, you know, suiting up under center, you know, for at least a, a couple of snaps. Yeah, you never know with that offense. But how possible is it that he's a second round pick in fantasy next season? Obviously, the story is pretty well documented. He was. Probably going to be a second-round pick coming into this season. Torres ACL in the offseason paved the way for Daryl Henderson for, like, the first half of the season. Sony Michelle finishing it off for the L.A. Rams. But then Akers coming back six months later from a torn ACL. That is historic, and he looked pretty darn good against Arizona. So should fantasy managers be taking him as a second-round pick or maybe even earlier next season? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty telling that the Rams – they have a pretty, you know, healthy backfield. Um, they've got depth in there, Darrell Henderson, Sony Michelle. And then Cam Akers comes six months off an Achilles injury and provides like an immediate impact in pretty much an RB1 role in the wild card. And so I think that pretty much tells you what this Rams team thinks of Cam Akers mm-hmm. and you know what he can handle in the offense like this isn't probably going to be a committee approach this is going to be acres backfield next year and he's going to get you know a lot of carries and he's going to get those goal line opportunities and and be a pretty consistent scorer so i think he is going to be a dependable reliable option for fantasy managers and that's kind of what i'm looking for in mm-hmm. and when i'm drafting you know my my first or second running back off the board it's such an interesting situation. It kind of echoes like what we've talked about multiple times about the Niners and the Dolphins backfields for better or for worse. It's just kind of like whoever's back there is really getting the points. That's not a knock on acres because we've clearly seen his talent. He is a good football player, 
I'm more concerned about can we rely on his usage consistently? Mm-hmm. Because this is a Rams backfield that has gone through a lot this season and has still found ways to produce. So to me, it's like, and I think Cam Akers is a very talented player. I'm not too surprised by his ascension into, you know, being a good, reliable starter, especially in fantasy. But to me, it's kind of like Sean McVay, we know, loves to ride the hot hand. His best running back is going to be on the field if it's not Cam Akers, it'll be Daryl Henderson if they decide to re-sign Sony Michelle, which to me, I don't think that'll necessarily happen. So let's say I go into next season with Akers or Henderson. Even if Akers is the main guy, that can pay off huge. But I do think there's a lot of room for him to bust because we've seen all it takes is Henderson to get hot and he could be the main guy. With that said, still, if you're taking a running back in round two, you're either taking a guy with a lot of upside or you're taking a running back who may not have much upside, but he's got job security, literally like Ezekiel Elliott. At least we think for now, maybe Tony Pollard steals the job. We are very big fans of Tony Pollard here on the breakout football podcast, as many of you listeners may know. So I do think it's possible Cam Akers is a second round fantasy pick. I think it's pretty possible. I don't know if I would take him, but I think most fantasy managers would take him. Uh, Jamie Eisner, who you know we talked about again at the top of the show, in his mock draft for TDN Fantasy, he has in his pick 2.4, one pick ahead of DeAndre Swift. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably agree with that. And it, it really just comes down to in that second round, you're probably dealing with running backs that will be in a committee approach anyway. Mm-hmm. And of all the of all the offenses that, you know, kind of take that approach, just ride with a hot hand. I think the Rams are an offense that's probably the best to invest in and, and are as good as any, right, for, for right. fantasy situations. And so, I mean, that basically just comes down to what offenses will move the ball consistently, no matter the opponent um, will utilize all aspects of their offense. And Cam Akers seems like a pretty good bet to get at least a decent chunk of the production every single week. So we think it's pretty possible that Cam Akers is a second-round fantasy pick next year. Whether that's warranted remains to be seen. That's one of the fun parts about the offseason. Things change. Speculation. Oh, I like – yeah, I should have said speculation. That's a way better term to describe it. All right, let's get to topic three. I'm still kind of waiting on this one to come around. Let's go. Let's go. Topic three. How possible is it? I'm very happy this came down. How possible is it that Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay? The ultimate question. The floor is yours, my friend. I certainly have a lot to say about this. I mean, in my opinion, the writing was on the wall before the season even started. Mm-hmm. You've got him and Devontae Adams tweeting Jordan and Pippen photos, like both. Uh, I think they maybe posted on their Instagram stories. But, I mean, that's just yeah. like – last dance vibes right there and it kind of seems like i mean this uh, going back to topic number one but if the raiders keep car and bring in Devontae adams his old fresno state wide receiver then i mean i could definitely see car as a top 10 quarterback rogers you know go somewhere else uh it kind of seems like he and green bay have butted heads throughout this entire process and honestly to me kind of seems like super bowl or bust Mm -hmm. because if Rodgers wins the Super Bowl, I can honestly see him going a number of, of options. I could I could see him, you know, re-signing and saying one condition, you trade Jordan Love somewhere. 
Um, I could see him retiring, to be honest, and, or oh, I could man. see him going going to Denver, right? So I think it really just comes down to how well he does this postseason. I don't think he could endure another NFC Championship heartbreak. Like, he has to make the big game in order for him to stay right. in Green Bay. Has there ever been anything like this situation in the NFL's long history? Like, you look at arguably the best player in football right now. He's probably going to win back-to-back MVPs. The Green Bay Packers are Super Bowl favorites. I know they're my pick to win the big game, that's for sure. And you cannot lose. And even if you win, there is still the chance. Maybe Rodgers feels satisfied. He walks off into the sunset. Maybe he walks off to somewhere warmer, different conference, different division. You never know. So there is so much, so much speculation to be had about this whole Green Bay situation. It just makes it so much easier to just say, hey, look, I think he's going to stay in Green Bay. But we really don't know because Rodgers isn't the type of quarterback to say, well, you won. I'll pull a Kawhi Leonard here. I got you the title and I'm out. But is he the LeBron James? To not win and then say, well, I'm going to go do it somewhere else where I might feel more appreciated? We don't know. Sorry to throw in some basketball analogies. Those were just the first two things that kind of popped into my head. So I think yeah, there's a lot and of also speculation like, with this. Rodgers is probably sick of facing stacked NFC teams every single year in the playoffs and go to a little softer AFC conference <laughs> playoff yeah. slate. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting discussion to be had for another time because – I don't know about. I don't know. I w- I would think the NFC's got the better powerhouses, but I think the AFC is probably more well-rounded, at least right now. Maybe not side of pit. Yeah, I mean, you'd still have to deal with a rising Bengals team, um, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, deal with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, strong arm talents. So I mean, you know, Rodgers would be would have to you know outdo the young guns over there for sure. But yeah, like I said, Super Bowl or bust for Rodgers. I think if if he leaves or or stays in Green Bay. Well, let me ask you now. Because whether you, I think we're both pretty much agreeing. We don't know. Like it is possible Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay, but like it also just might be the easiest decision ever to stay in Green Bay, where you have this fantastic roster around you, probably the best roster you've ever had, with a great chance to win the Super Bowl. But if he does leave, where the hell is he gonna go? I think I think probably Denver. I think Denver was. Mm-hmm. They were linked to him. They were pushing for him oh hard God. in the offseason and. I think Rodgers probably wants to go to a, a team that wants him like as bad because it didn't really seem like he was he was feeling the same type of energy with Green Bay um, over right. the offseason. And, and honestly, like the way he structured his contract when he came back gave him all of the decision making power like in the world. Like he has an opt out. Um, he ha- he garnered or he he clamored for incentives into into his tra- in, into his contract. He turned um, some of his his leftover contract money and money into his signing bonus, I think. So it, it's all just shaping up to Aaron Rodgers playing his way toward, you know, forcing Green Bay's hand for this next season or setting himself up for another payday in the offseason. Right. I've been saying since day one of the Rodgers drama coming out, that he needs to link up with Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. It is a match made in heaven. It just feels right that if Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing elsewhere, that it would be in Pittsburgh right after playing in Green Bay. So I'm going to still stick by that. Like, I think Pittsburgh needs to make that happen with Rodgers for sure. So we're three down, three more spins left on the wheel. Still hoping 
Got a lot more different topics to talk about. Let's see what we get next here on BFP, sponsored by Link Me. And if you do not know what Link Me is, now is the time to get on it. I can tell you right now, it was number seven on the most downloaded or hottest like app charts uh, from on social media apps. One through six was like Facebook, TikTok, Twitter. And then you got seven being Link Me, L-I-N-K-M-E. It's a social media app. It's great to network. It's also great to show all of your work in one place. Kind of like a link tree, but way better. It's great to connect with people. Link me, L-I-N-K-M-E. Let's keep the ball, or I guess the wheel, <laughs> wheel rolling here on Breakout Football Podcast. Mm, okay. All right. How possible is it that Jamar Chase repeats as a top five wide receiver? This is an interesting one. This is an interesting one. I don't think this is as obvious as you may think, but I'm curious to hear what you're going to say. Yeah, there's always the fabled sophomore slump, you know, for, for wide receivers. I mean, I guess second-year players in general. So, I mean, I'm kind of looking at Justin Jefferson's production from last season, and, I mean, Justin Jefferson is the perfect example of having a statement rookie season and then basically – repeating with an even better season and Jamar Chase I'm pretty much like replicated Jefferson's rookie season top five performance I mean even even Jefferson didn't do that his first year um he was he was top six so I mean one one spot lower I I think I think there's a good chance that that Chase can repeat but that top five is is just so close because when, when you look at the players underneath Chase Tyreek Hill Stephon Diggs uh, Deontay Johnson, um, somehow, you know, Mike Evans and Hunter Renfro snuck up there too, <laughs> but it's, it's really hard to, to keep your, like stay on the throne, right. Once you're there. And I always say this, I think I've probably said this like way too many times at this point, but you can't judge one player off of one season. That's mm-hmm. not to say Chase is overrated, he's going to fall off, but the possibility is there for him to just completely suck next season. Obviously, that'd be pretty shocking. I think we can all expect him to be pretty good for a long time, seeing what he did last season. Um, I think it really just kind of comes down to health. You look at the top receivers, like you all said, they were basically healthy. So I, Chase has never really had any major injury concerns. Obviously, he set out his final season of college. I'd say it's pretty possible Jamar Chase repeats as a top five wide receiver. Now, again, will Devontae Adams stay? Will Cooper Cup regress? What other rookie receivers can bounce up in year two and kind of follow Chase? We don't know. But the best indicator of future success is and has always been past success. Chase played like a baller this year, top five in total points and points per game among the wide receiver position. I think it's pretty possible Chase repeats as a top five wide receiver in 2022. Do you think, would you take Chase as a, as a top five wide receiver in your draft within the first 15 picks of the draft? I don't know because I tend to value the running backs there. And I think most people should screw the mm-hmm. zero RB format. My goodness. Uh, because you kind of look at like the top receivers, right? Like Cooper cup, you could have gotten him in the fourth or fifth round. Uh, Justin Jefferson. What was he? I think it was a third round pick. Jamar chase was like a fourth or fifth round pick as well. The upside's there for sure. But if I'm taking a player early, it's I'm trying to get my running back position down because those yeah. guys 
tend not to hit well very later on. So we all know, we all know how that can work out if you decide to pass on a top running back. Of course, they can get injured, but that's another discussion for another time. Um, I So I don't think I personally would. I don't think I'd fault someone for doing it. Although, again, I think I'd prefer, as of now, I think I'd prefer Adams, Cup, and probably Justin Jefferson over Chase. I, that's where I think I stand. Again, things will change, though. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, another receiver that finished above – chase the season was Debo Samuel do you think how how mm. likely is it that Samuel you know I, I don't want to say he gets figured out this offseason but it kind of seemed like the his usage and maybe him being injured for his second season kind of caught the league by surprise and in, right. in how to prepare for him so do you think he kind of falls off a little bit people or you know teams will be able to kind of guard those end arounds and and just to him right. in the backfield a little bit better. Well, I will say um, I love Debo Samuel as a player, and you know he he could have been a much higher draft pick coming out of South Carolina, but he got hurt. I think it was a broken arm or broken leg that really pushed him down the draft board. So it took him some time to acclimate to the NFL, and then last season was just a complete dud. Uh, if you listened to our awards show last week, and if you are listening right now and you haven't, feel free to listen to it afterward. We dubbed Debo Samuel the fantasy comeback player of the year. Played poorly last year decided to show up big this year. Was he the comeback player of the year? Yeah, he was the comeback player of the year. I was thinking mm-hmm. about breakout player of the year, which we gave to somebody else. Spoiler, you should go check that out. Um, I, I do think there are some factors that could limit Samuel. Like maybe Trey Lance decides to take off a few more times. Maybe that uh, takes away a few carries from Samuel. Maybe the Niners finally find a healthy running back to take away some carries. Maybe Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle are healthier. You know, you never know. So I don't know if I'd bank on Samuel repeating the success from this season, but he's still a good player. And again, I'd probably expect at least somewhat similar success, at least the wide receiver one type of production. But I don't think I'd take him over Chase. I think I'd probably lean Chase over Samuel just based off those factors alone. Yeah. And so, I mean, even if, even if Debo Samuel doesn't repeat in the top five, then it's pretty likely like Tyreek Hill will, you know, be, be up there and be in competition for that. Um, Stefan Diggs is always, as long as he has Josh Allen, he's going to, he's going to be in consideration for that. But I mean, regardless, it kind of seems like Chase is kind of locked into that, into that range anyway. Exactly. A lot. Jesus, I got to put on a t-shirt or like have a button that says a lot's going to change. A lot's going to change. A lot's going to (laughs) change because we can have a completely different conversation about Jamar Chase in four months from now. So with that, we got, I'd say let's, we got two more spins left on the wheel of possibilities here on the breakout football podcast. So let's see what we land on for spin number five. All right. This is an interesting one. I saw you tweeting about it earlier. So I know you're excited to talk about this. What is the possibility that Darnell Mooney finishes top 10 in receiving yards with Justin Fields at quarterback? I'm kind of taking this as a two-parter, although I think Justin Fields is the bona fide starter in Chicago next season, right? Like that seems pretty set in stone. No more. I I think it's a given. Yeah. I I think Justin Fields is the man next season and I'm really excited what he can do, especially with improved play calling um, the keys to the offense. 
I think a lot's going to change for Fields, though, because I think he's he's really going to have to invest in himself this offseason and invest himself in, in developing that chemistry and everything. But this was a stat that I pulled uh, just before the show. There were 23 receivers that hit the 1,000-yard milestone this season, and Darnell Mooney had the lowest catch percentage at 57.9%. And I think that's not a testament to, you know, like Mooney is not getting open. He's not catching those targets. It's just that his this offense isn't being tailored to what he can do best. And so I see opportunity for growth, like get that ball in his hands as fast as possible. I think there's a great chance that Robinson is out. Uh, he's done. He's going to a, a different team where, you know, he can play a support role and Mooney will slide into that wide receiver one role. And he essentially was the wide receiver one for the bears this season, you know, playing with Robinson um, in that offense. So I think he benefits from superior play calling, improve accuracy uh, for, and decision-making from fields. And that is just going to improve his numbers even, even more. It is interesting because I would love to see how uh, the percentage of his drops that were attributed to him versus just bad throws by whoever the hell was throwing him the ball. Um, it is also interesting to me that Mooney's best games mostly came with Justin Fields. He hit 100 yards four times, and three of those times, Fields was his quarterback. And for him to finish 19th in the NFL in receiving yards, I think it's it's a little more possible than you think for him to finish top 10 in receiving yards, especially if you bring in a coach who knows how to maximize Mooney's potential. For all the faults that Matt Nagy has as a head coach, I will say he did kind of know how to utilize Darnell Mooney. The rest of the offense, not so much. I'd love to see better pass concepts. I'd love to see Mooney be schemed open a bit more, but Mooney was running a whole bunch of different routes, sometimes playing a little bit in the backfield. I think that works to his strength as a versatile receiver. And I think another year of him and Justin Fields could work out for to his advantage. I think Mooney's probably my favorite player to just target in redraft in dynasty best ball, regardless, just based off his value. So on the surface, it might not be that possible. He finishes top 10 in receiving yards, but I I'm going to go on a limb and say, I think it's pretty possible. If I had to make a bold prediction, this would be it right here. I think Darnell Mooney could finish top 10 in receiving yards with Justin Fields as his quarterback next season. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with you there. And, and you just look at the numbers, 81 receptions on 140 targets. Like that, that margin can definitely be shrunk up like pretty substantially. And it starts with getting the ball in Mooney's hands as fast as possible, you know, less him stretching the field and more using him as an intermediary option and just letting him, you know, work in space and work the open field. Exactly. So with that said, we got one more spin left on the wheel. Got a, quite a few topics left. We'll see which one it lands on. Let's spin that baby one more time. All right, all right, a tight end. They, they knew, the wheel knew, Cole. The wheel yeah, knew so we had to talk about a tight end. I actually brought this topic to the table and it was and it was really surprising, but I think it's because it's one of the few tight ends that actually got me excited for the future of this position, but the topic is Pat Fryermuth ascends into the first tier of tight ends. So that's your Kittle, um, Kelsey, Mark Andrews, um, Waller type of echelon right there. How likely is it that next season Pat Fryermuth can be up with those names? I 
I really don't think it's that possible. And sorry to, you know, really damper your expectations there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you got a great Or this position lets me down every single year, so it's nothing new. Well, I'm sorry to be the next part of this position to let you down because I, I really don't think it's too possible for Armuth ascends into the first tier of tight ends. Can it be a tight end one? 100%. I think a lot of people are banking on that as they should be because you look at what he did during the second half of the season. He did emerge as one of the better tight ends or from like weeks eight to like weeks 13, but he was tight end 13 overall in the season, which again, he started off slow, wasn't really utilized much. Eric Ebron had a bigger presence, which is fine. He was tight end 16 in points per game. But from week eight on, he was still just tight end 11. And there were a lot of great games from Firemuth, a lot of tight end one, tight end two performances down the stretch. I think that can continue. But to say he takes the next step and becomes the next Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, I don't know about that. And this kind of goes back to something I was looking at prior to the season. Let me see if I could pull it up here while you're making your case. You really got to look at where these tight ends break out. I think this is a little bit before Friarmuth's uh, projected breakout. Down the line, he can ascend into the first tier. Totally great dynasty buy. When the Steelers took him, tweeted out, hey, I'm getting all my Pat Farmuth shares in Dynasty right now. So I think that's still looking pretty good. But I don't really see him becoming uh, the next great tight end next season. Okay. You think he's going to take some time to come along um, yeah. and just follow the traditional career mm-hmm. trajectory for those top tight ends? I mean, for me, I'm intrigued at his, op- at his prospects next season. I think he's definitely a guy I'm going to be targeting because, I mean, obviously, I don't like going after the top-tier tight ends. I like to hit on, you know, a little a find either off of waivers or in the, in the later rounds, load up on other positions. And Fryermuth definitely would have been, you know, a, a nice – he will be a nice candidate for me next season because over his last eight games, Fryermuth was tight end 10. I think he's a dynamic option in the red zone and, and just at the position. And I've said this before, but this guy is built like a receiving tight end. Like this guy isn't there to block for Najee Harris. He's there to catch footballs. And honestly, he's not that much bigger than Chase Claypool. I think he has probably like 25 pounds on him, but he's only one foot taller than Claypool. And I'd argue he's better and more flexible after the catch than Claypool. So we just, we really need to get a clearer picture on what the quarterback situation is going to be in Pittsburgh. If it's Mason Rudolph, I might cry, but any picket, Desmond Ritter, I would be intrigued. I think I think the entire world, aside from like Mason Rudolph's close family and friends, would <laughs> moan with despair if Mason Rudolph was subject to our television screens again. That would be pretty brutal. I can't find the stat I was looking for, but I am now extremely curious to dive into like the prime time for tight end breakouts. Maybe I'll do that for a class project because I need to do something like that anyway. So, Hey, I'll, I'll look into that. Uh, but I don't know. Like age 27 or something like that. I saw, I did have a tweet that was like, uh, at FF underscore intervention said like the, and I couldn't find the data to back this up. So I'm just going off a tweet I made a few months ago, uh, that the prime breakout time for a tight end was when they turned 25 and it's at least their third year in the league. Uh, so might need, and this is ironic. Because, is 23. So, I mean, that timeline matches up. It does. Right. Exactly. And it's funny because, you know, I projected Hawkinson to be the guy this year and he was playing well. He was playing actually exactly at his ADP with a little bit higher. 
I think it was tight end four before he got injured. Um, last year, Mark Andrews was my tight end, and he played well. He played up to his ADP, but he didn't become – he didn't break out. Like, he didn't ascend to the first tier until this season. So now you got me thinking – Maybe I'm just a year too early on TJ Hawkinson as well. Mm. So there might still be a lot of TJ Hawkinson talk on the breakout. But you're pushing the TJ Hawkinson narrative equally as strong as you were this season. I might be. (laughs) I very well might be. It's year two of the TJ Hawkinson hype. It's got to happen at some point or else I don't know what I'm going to do with this position, man. I don't know. I'm definitely not going to do what you do. That's for sure. I'm taking my tight ends early. (laughs) Hey, I mean, you know, maybe after this season I'll be – spending time with my pro tight end co-host Zach Cohen for, you know, pretty much the whole season, I might be more inclined to spend a little bit more premium capital on a tight end in my draft next year. Well, and if you're doing your NFL draft cons and you find a tight end you like, well, let me know so we can both get ahead of the game in the Debbie dynasty and all those fun formats. Cause we're going to be talking about a lot of that type of stuff during the off season as well and with that we will put the big wheel of possibilities to rest i have a feeling we will be bringing her back oh it'll be back it always comes back just like the wheel just always comes back around always comes back so we'll definitely get creative with that um i had a good time trying out this new format and next week you'll be at the senior bowl so we'll see what we can get done with you in mobile i'll still be in games we'll see what we can cook up I wish I was in Mobile. That would, that would be a lot more fun than uh, being here for another week. That's for sure. But in the meantime, you know what to do. Feel free to follow us on all platforms. He's at Ham Analysis. I am at Zach Cohen FB. Literally every platform. We're on it. Twitter, Instagram, not my space, unfortunately. And again, download Link Me, our proud sponsor of the show. Cue the outro music. Everybody enjoy the divisional round. I'm putting it now. I think the Bengals beat the Titans. That's my hot take. Send us out with a hot take, my friend. Put you on the spot. Uh, I mean, I think I think the Niners crumble. I And I think... I don't know. I think the Bengals could surprise some people. That's that's all I'm saying. I, I think Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase were built for the playoffs. Fair enough. This has been the Breakout Football Podcast. I'm Zach Cohen alongside Cole Topham. Cole, you know what to do. Yeah, I mean, I would say go catch some dubs, but fantasy, you know, fantasy football is over. So just enjoy some playoff football, baby. It's, it's a good time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.